What's the worst thing a protagonist ever did in a children's movie or show? Tink in Peter Pan is an absolute monster. She tried to get the Lost Boys to murder Wendy. The whole film is full of aberrant morality. I mean, that's relatively on the low end of her atrocities. She sells out Pan and the Lost Boys to the pirates because of her hatred and jealousy. In the book, it's even worse because the pirates aren't buffoons, but highly competent and malicious. Smee isn't as much of a lovable idiot in the original. He's a sadistic torturer whose sword is called Johnny Corkscrew because he wiggles it in the wound after shanking someone. He's described as a genial man who's not as severe as the other pirates to the kids, but he's also described as one who would stab with no offense. Uh, don't forget Peter Pan was a monster too. He'd teach kids how to fly, but never how to land, and they'd just fly until they starved to death. Lab Rats The dad-slash-inventor kept the kids in cages, and it wasn't until he married and got a stepson that they got rescued. Then everyone was, oh well, good times. Honestly, a lot of Disney shows and other kids' shows have creepy undertones like this. This won't make much sense to anyone who's never watched the show, but I'll never forget an episode of Wizards of Waverly Place where Alex makes a new friend that turns out to be part of this underground uprising against the unfair rules on who gets to have powers. She seemingly joins her, only to find out she was actually tricking her so she could turn her into the authorities. They act like this was a huge, brave, and heroic thing she did, and that the people fighting against unfairness were those evil people who deserved to be punished. Basically, the message was that you should never question authority, and those who try to stand against unjust laws should be turned in. It really creeped me out. Oh, it turns out I misremembered that last part. It's actually worse than that. She freezes her to give her powers to her brother, and then Alex's little brother Max knocks her over and shatters her as the laugh track plays, and they act like it's no big deal. They literally kill her and shrug it off. Man, the people who made that show are messed up, especially making it a kid's show. Princess Poppy in the Trolls movie The whole problem and everyone nearly dying was all because she couldn't accept and let someone be happy not singing and dancing. I think they handled her better in the second film when Branch outright tells her she's not listening to anyone and making things worse. The fat controller in Thomas the Tank Engine bricking up Henry the Green Train. All Henry wanted was a coat of waterproof paint or a break from the work till the rain stopped. Nope, brick up the tunnel and take up the tracks. Frick you, engine, you work for me. Is the fat controller really the good guy? The trains are enslaved and taken to the junkers yard if not really useful. Dude is worse than that Grandpa Joe. Ha ha ha, laughed the fat controller. You are wrong. There are a lot of downright concerning implications of the Thomas verse. These talking, thinking, feeling creatures are often subjected to downright dangerous work conditions and punished terribly if they voice dissent. That show haunted the young narrator once upon a time. Agent Black from Johnny Test casually and nonchalantly says, I blew up Malaysia. Also, what I find funny, blowing up Malaysia only gets them down to the level of police officer. Here's my entry to help get conversation going. In the 2005 Disney movie Chicken Little, the school bully, Foxy Loxy, gets teleported by aliens and suffers brain damage resulting in a massive personality change. When the aliens move to return her to normal, Runt of the Litter stops them, saying she was now perfect. It's then implied the two become romantically involved. Let's not forget Buck Cluck being a really crap father to Chicken Little. Frick it, this whole movie just sucks. I don't think it would be remiss to say, Frick Buck Cluck. Sporticus and Stephanie treating Robbie Rotten badly, all because he didn't want to be active. Let him live in Lazy Town in peace. 
Those two came to a place literally called Lazy Town and tried to force everyone to be more active and stuff. If anything, Robbie Rotten should have been the hero for trying to maintain how the town should be. You speak the truth. If you think about it, Robbie Rotten is far more heroic. Sporticus thinks that being active is the key to happiness and well-being. As such, he tries to convince the kids to be more active, which in turn requires him to be active. Okay, sure. Now, Robbie Rotten thinks that the key to happiness and well-being is to be inactive. As such, he tries to convince the kids to be less active, which in turn requires him to be active. Now, this is Robbie making his day worse to improve someone else's day. Ignoring the question of which of them is correct in their worldview, it's obvious that Robbie Rotten is substantially more selfless. The episodes often show Robbie bothered, usually not by the noise the children are making, but by the idea that they are being active. He goes through huge amounts of work and planning to correct this, often making elaborate games for kids in the process. Finally, let's examine the basic claim that Sporticus makes that the children would be happier and healthier if they subscribed to his lifestyle. They do seem to enjoy his sports, though Ziggy often has his complaints. However, compare this to the joy the children had in Robbie Rotten's You're a Pirate game, which involved nothing but props, imagination, and singing. Everyone loved it. You might think, then, that at least Sporticus is correct that the children would be healthier if they followed his advice, but once again I say that Robbie is right. If you trap Sporticus in a cage, he starts to pass out in mere minutes from fruit withdrawal. He might be able to outrun Robbie, sure, but it isn't like Robbie isn't capable enough to build a treehouse, ships, and whatnot. The Cat in the Hat nearly pummeled a young child's skull with a baseball bat. That movie is hilarious and yet so screwed up, he legit cuts his tail off and swears in front of children. In High School Musical, when everyone manipulates Troy into saying he doesn't care about Gabriella at all while recording the whole thing so that she sees it. God, if I was Troy and learned about that, I'd have quit the basketball team. If my friends couldn't stand by me and sold me out like that, there's no reason to be with them. Same with Gabriella and her science friends. Of course, they didn't manipulate her into saying things she'd regret and film it, but they still thought her potentially being distracted from their competition was enough of a reason to mess up her relationship. It's been a while since I've seen it. I'm sorry if I made mistakes. In the Rapunzel TV series, there's a controversial episode in which Rapunzel, after having an argument with Eugene in which she disagrees with his advice, accidentally goes back in time to a point when Eugene was a thieving teen. During this episode, she appears as one of the Stabbington brothers and ends up changing Eugene's views in the future to match hers by the end of the show. Eugene has no idea this has even happened. It's pretty controversial because while Rapunzel didn't mean to do it, she sort of forced a core personality change in him, and the show never really addressed the argument because Eugene is just like, I don't know why we were arguing before, because I agree. And the end of the episode. The following story is from a series that I've never seen, nor probably ever will see, but it definitely has some mind-bogglingly interesting implications from the way the author describes it. In the fourth season of Winx Club, the main characters get a new power-up, the Believix, and it's a mess. They each get a new power to use at their own discretion. Here's a quick description of what these powers let them do. 1. The Strength of Life Bloom. It lets her make people believe in magic and help them overcome their weaknesses. She decides what qualifies as a weakness. She overrides a person's free will to make them believe in magic, which just so happens to make the girls stronger and rewrite their personality if she doesn't like it. Dawn of Light. Stella. It makes her people more cooperative and accepting. Basically, she overrides another person's free will, so they do what she says. Breath of the World. Flora. It lets her make people show more appreciation for nature. Nice on paper, but it basically makes people ignore potentially more important tasks or forego certain technologies in favor of nature. Bright Heart, Musa. 
This is actually the most normal, because aside from the usual of making people believe in magic, its only other effect is to convince people that they can change. Gem of Mind, Techna. To quote the official description of this ability, she can use it to make people think correctly. I think that's enough info. She decides how people should think and magically imposes that way of thinking onto them. The Spirit of Courage, Aisha. This is also very basic, the same as the first one with the added bonus of making people braver. But one use in particular rubbed me the wrong way. In one scene, she made a girl walk through a wall of fire to escape the burning building. The girl with water magic whose best friend is on the way to becoming an insufferable Mary Sue and whose fire magic can extinguish any flame with a snap of her fingers. There was literally no need to endanger that girl like that. They had two people on scene who could not only have saved the building, but also all six of them could have repaired it with magic. Overall, those girls are a threat to society. They're emotionally unstable, have zero coping mechanisms for when they get sad, and are basically demigods. Musa once saw her boyfriend with another woman, and she just ran away crying like a kid. She has sound-based powers. She could have easily listened to what they were saying. I put forth that Santa is a total butthole in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I can understand the young reindeer making fun of Rudolph's red nose. Kids are mean and will easily make fun of someone for being different. But then Santa walks in. He could have set everyone straight right there. Explained how it's our differences that make everyone special and all that. Nope. He readily agrees with everyone that Rudolph is a lost cause and even tells Donna he should be ashamed of his son's red nose. Da frick? Until he needs him. Then all of a sudden he's part of the group and useful and liked. That's some fit in or go fricking die if I ever saw it. Any deviations from the norm will not be tolerated unless it's exploitable. Ho, ho, ho. Land before time when they're sleeping in the footprint and Sarah tries to wake them up gently and quietly. Littlefoot starts being loud and attracts the sharp tooth, causing him to lose the last gift his mother ever gave him, a tree star. Literally every single decision made by Robin Williams in Mrs. Doubtfire. What's interesting is that as a kid, you side with Robin Williams. Rewatching it as an adult, the guy was seriously dysfunctional and his wife was absolutely right to divorce his butt. Also, you realize that Pierce Brosnan's character wasn't the villain you thought he was when you were a kid. He was a legitimately nice, solid guy dating a woman with three kids going through a contentious divorce. He was a saint, but ended up almost choking to death. Batman shutting down a machine that was turning Matt Hagen, aka Clayface, back into a human because he was using an experimental thing stolen from his company. I never hated Batman more than that moment because the animated series Clayface is the most tragic fricking creature of a man there ever was. Ron Perlman always made me cry when he had that first moment where he says, I'm not even a man. I cry every time. In the episode, he's falling apart and dying. Then when he's there on the precipice of becoming human again, he can feel it. Batman tosses a battering and cuts off the flow of the chemical. Fricking hated him for that. Yes, thank you. I hated that episode as a kid. Clayface had the chance to get his life back, but Batman stops it because he stole something? It felt so unfair. Fair to say that The Dark Knight has often done some pretty controversial things in his many iterations, but I'm not sure that anyone can look at his solution and agree it was the morally right thing to do by any means here. Perhaps some of you would disagree. Let me know. Sounds like what happened to Deadshot in that movie. Confronted him when he's out with his child for Christmas shopping, if I recall correctly. Carly from iCarly was a butthead. Remember that episode where she's attracted to the guy because he stole his brother's motorcycle? Then she dumps him because he was not manly enough because he collects plushies. Schneider's humor was so mean-spirited overall. 
Remember the one where Freddy says he didn't like Fred, and Fred made the whole video about quitting the internet forever, and Freddy was getting hate mail, including a phone call from his aunt, where she told him she hoped he fricking died? Then at the end, they met Fred, and he tells him the whole thing was just made-up drama to bring attention to iCarly and his own channel, and he didn't even bother to fricking tell them first. Pretty much everyone in that show was a crap bag. The third Hokage really had Naruto living by himself. Poor begging the ramen man to feed him. All this after promising his dying parents that he would take care of him. He was basically the ruler of the village and let the kid live in poverty for no reason. Goku giving Perfect Cell a damn sensu bean right before his emotional teenage son fought him to the death, over the fate of the earth. A couple of people have said this, can you elaborate? Okay, so Perfect Cell is essentially a combination of all the strongest fighters on Earth. Fighters who have killed planet-destroying monsters, or a being who killed them all in an alternate timeline. Goku, in some sort of bizarre test, fought Cell and won, but didn't kill him. Instead, he healed him, which brought him to beyond his full strength thanks to alien biology, and made his son fight him for the fate of the planet, just to see if Earth will be okay if Goku dies. This led to his own death, giving his son PTSD, Causes the end of the world in the next arc, thanks to Rival becoming evil thanks to a lack of a sparring partner whose power releases an intergalactic demon who destroys Earth, Dragon Ball is weird, I know, and makes both of his sons fatherless for the greater half of their childhood. The Parents and Parent Trap Let's separate our twins, take one each, and never tell our respective child that she has a sister. What the frick? Mr. Krabs drove his rival Plankton to take his own life by stalking and harassing him in a pearl costume in the one-course meal episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. What about when SpongeBob and Mr. Krabs actively attempted to cover up what they thought was a murder? Also, didn't Bubble Buddy basically just watch a guy drown? There was some dark crap in SpongeBob. Fun fact, one of the recent Spongebob episodes legitimately referenced Squidward trying to take his own life. Basically, Squidward and Spongebob had to deliver a Krabby Patty to a bizarre mind frickery land. Squidward tried to escape from the place by opening a series of doors until a jump scare of Squidward's face showed up. The UK version removed that part for some reason. Just saw an episode of Teen Titans the other day, and they spent nearly a whole episode trying to escape this witch that had mind-controlled them and was trying to eat them. When they finally trap her back in the cursed pie, it's a weird episode, they leave it outside the door of the teenage supervillain group so that they will get eaten. I can't frame this in any other way than attempted murder. Teen Titans, don't go. Not sure if it counts as a children's movie, but in Man of Steel, Superman grabs one of the Kryptonians and flies him straight into a gas station, causing a huge explosion. The gas station had multiple cars parked at the pumps. In other words, Superman, who later on cries over having to kill the villain intent on destroying his planet, straight up killed at least half a dozen people out of pure negligence and didn't bat an eye. There is a bunch of great videos on YouTube about this, but Superman is betrayed so badly in the DC movies. In the comics, he's such a nice guy. In the movies, he's an emotional robot. He sees an entire building blow up in front of him and just fricks right off. He doesn't even try to help. What the frick? I'm sure The Man of Steel doesn't count as a kid's movie as well. I was just desperate to be able to comment on one of the few things that I've actually seen in this collection of stories. Yes, Clark kills a whole bunch of people, and yes, he gives about one thousandth of a frick about it as he does for killing one genocidal Kryptonian general. Hey, remember when in Spider-Man Far From Home, Tony Stark left a high schooler an advanced military drone system with no instructions on how to use it? Like, that's a thing that shouldn't exist at all, but much less in the hands of a teenager. 
Yeah, on the bus in the first hour of the movie, doesn't he accidentally order a hit on one of his classmates? Like, it's kind of weird that in Homecoming, he didn't let Peter have access to most of the stuff in his suit, but then in Far From Home, he's just like, you know, what would be a good idea? Letting a teenager have a pair of glasses that could literally order an entire fleet of deadly drones to kill an entire population of people. I mean, at least leave him a manual that he has to read before he has full control over the glasses, surely. As told by Ginger Fricking Dodie. Rather be popular and wanted than be a good friend to Ginger. I loved as told by Ginger growing up and Dodie was the biggest irritant on the show by far. Any little sliver of a chance that she could become popular, she'd drop Ginger and Macy in a heartbeat, only to come crawling back when it blew up in her face. Oh, that one kid, uh, Greg? I don't know, from Diary of a Wimpy Kid. He fricking shuns his best friend for clout, breaks his arm, throws kids in a ditch in the rain, craps on his friend's comic idea, and blames his friend for getting him fired from being a hall monitor. At the beginning of Megamind, when they were just school kids, Metro Man is literally responsible for turning Megamind to villainy by ostracizing and bullying him. It turned out okay in the end, but it's bothersome he never addressed or apologized for his behavior. Willy Wonka literally disfigured four kids on his factory tour, not to mention all the slave labor. Butthole pays Oompa Loompas with cocoa beans. That's definitely below the minimum wage. In the first Harry Potter, Dumbledore gets to the end of the year when they count up all the points to see who was the best house. Gryffindor at dead last and Slytherin in first place, like literally 150 points ahead. Dumbledore announces Slytherin is the winner, but then he's like, Hold up, I've got a couple of announcements for the final tally. Ron is good at chess. 50 points. Hermione is smart. 50 points. Harry is low-key the bravest guy I know. 100 points. Checks calculations. Gryffindor and Slytherin are tied. Oh, oh, and uh, Neville was able to have a direct conversation. 5 points. Gryffindor wins. The little girl who lets out all of the dinosaurs at the end of what I think is the second Jurassic World movie. The dinosaurs are about to be gassed to death or something, and they make a moral decision to let them out, since they have a right to live and survive. So the little girl lets them loose, and almost immediately, the dinosaurs are released and kill a bunch of the villains in the movie. We're supposed to cheer, as the audience, I guess, that the villains are finally getting their comeuppance, but I mean these dinosaurs aren't sentient or moral like humans. They weren't killing bad people, they were just killing people, and the good guys unleashed human-murdering dinosaurs on the planet. Like, no crap! Within just a few short moments, people died when they let them out of their cages. Harry Potter being left to a known abusive family by a society of wizards has to be high up there. Actually, the whole of Hogwarts is pretty fricked up. They're so irresponsible. They literally teach kids how to basically make Rehypnol. And they sent Harry and his crew into a literal death forest where a powerful unicorn-killing wizard was hiding. Part of why I love slash hate Umbridge so much, it's super effective when the lady comes along whose punishments are so fricked up, even by wizard standards. Umbridge is just such a perfect microcosm of petty official tyranny. We've all met Umbridge in one guise or another, and the hatred people like that stir up in almost everyone is distilled into her character. She's like the platonic form of the parking warden who delights in seeing someone's car towed away. The bureaucrat who barely suppresses a giggle as your dream house has its planning denied. The port official who politely but gleefully informs you that at his say-so you won't be allowed to board the ferry to go on holiday because of a slight paperwork mistake. She's Orwell's proverbial boot stamping on a human face forever. She's the Vogons if someone made a serious take on the concept. She's the personification of the system triumphing over the individual. 
She's the meat grinder from another brick in the wall video that homogenizes children into a uniform paste. Umbridge absolutely nails that whole archetype, and the fact that she's so memorable is because we've all met her. I dare say Umbridge is Rowling's greatest character, for the sheer hatred she instills in absolutely everyone. The Jedi taking children from their family and encouraging emotional repression. I just started watching Clone Wars recently, having missed it during the actual run. So far, I've seen at least one or two fake surrenders by the Jedi, and I was like, that's an actual war crime, you can't just do that. I mean, that's just a surefire way to make sure your enemy doesn't accept surrenders anymore and just murders you. Not just emotional repression as well. Many children are taken from distinct species, cultures, and traditions. They indoctrinate them into a cult-like order of mystics, teach them feelings are wrong, familial bonds are wrong, and fraternal bonds are wrong, carnal pleasures and vices are wrong, and suggest that abstinence is important, preach peace and harmony, and teach them how to use a laser sword and mystic powers to enforce their peaceful ways and the ideals of the Senate. Jingle All The Way is a story about a dad who punches and lies to everyone he meets over the course of a day, only to steal a toy for his kid. As much as I loved the show as a kid and still like it now, I'm a lot older and more cynical. And I can't get over the plain and simple truth that Spongebob is unforgivably annoying when you really think about it. He's an excellent cook and a good and supportive friend and generally a good soul. But overall? Yeah, I'm quite sympathetic to the living hell Squidward lives in on some days. The older I get, the more I understand Squidward. You either die a Spongebob or you live long enough to see yourself become a Squidward. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories, linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Genius, give Am I the Jerk a shot, linked in the description too. Either way, thanks a lot for watching and we'll see you guys next time.